Well, Advent. Uh, we are in week two of our Advent series. This is the second week of Advent. Last week was the week of hope. This week is the week of peace. Uh, and, you know, we, we've been kind of just talking through uh, Jesus. With this season, we, are, uh, we celebrate the coming of Jesus during Advent. We celebrate the, the fact that he came, the, the reason he came. We celebrate all of that. Uh, and we actually, it's a season of of thankfulness, it's a season of hope because he came, but it's also a season of expectation because he's coming again. We, we look forward, we, we give thanks for the coming, but we look forward to another coming of Jesus. So this is what we do during Advent. But oftentimes what happens during Advent is we focus on kind of the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus. We focus on the shepherds and the wise men and the star and, and Bethlehem and the manger and the barn and the animals. And we, we kind of we focus in on the story, uh, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But this Christmas, I wanted to, to avoid just, just paying attention to the circumstances. I want to really, really focus in on, on that baby in the manger. Who is this baby? Who is Jesus? Why did he have to come? What in the world is he here for? Now, who is Jesus? This is really the question that we've been, that we've been attacking this series. This is our focus for Advent. And how amazing is it that God would become a baby? A crying, bedwetting baby. <laughs> God of the universe in a manger, dependent on his own creation. And it's just, uh, just, just fascinating to me who Jesus is who this, this baby in a manger. This is what Christmas is all about. And so we've been, we've been doing this. We've been looking at the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. If you want to join me there, it's on page uh, 1012, if you know, one of our pew Bibles. Uh, we've been kind of, we're just going to work our way through Philippians 2, a little bit of Philippians 2, uh, and just talk through who this baby in a manger really is. Uh, last week in Philippians chapter 2, we talked about the divinity of Christ, that Jesus is 100% God, that Jesus d- cannot not be God. <laughs> the other places in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 2 says that the fullness of the deity lives in Jesus. Jesus is God. He is, the, uh, he is the word of God, the author of life, the light of the world. If you heard nothing else from me last week, I want you to hear this this morning as we keep moving into this next part that Jesus is God. That's it. That's, that's what you needed to get from me last week, and that's where we're going to start this morning with that assumption. Jesus is God. Jesus in the manger. This baby in the manger is divine. This baby in the manger is God. We're going to keep reading Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll, we'll read the whole, uh, well, from verse 5 to verse 11, we'll read all of that, and we'll just kind of go back and unpack the second piece here. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped, like we talked about last week. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This from Paul right here is basically 
who Jesus is. This is all of the theology, the study of God. This is all of the theology of Jesus Christ that you will ever need is right here in these six verses. Jesus, who being in very nature God, in his very essence, his, in his being, his very essence was God. That was what we studied last week. Jesus is God. I want to keep going this week. We'll, we'll just do verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, every single word of this verse is important. There's some things I want us to see this morning as we as we go on. And here's here's what I want us to see very at the very beginning of this is that Jesus, the sovereign creator of all things, this is who Jesus is. But he makes himself slave to his own creation, a servant to his own creation. Verse seven here. There's a this this phrase. He uh, he made himself nothing. The, the exact phrase there in the original language is emptied himself. It, Jesus emptied himself. He made himself nothing. But I want to be careful here because Jesus emptying himself does not equal Jesus taking out his godness. If that's a word. We're going to use it today a lot. Godness. How about that? Jesus emptying himself, making himself nothing, has nothing to do with him taking off his godness. He does, he does not empty himself by taking off his divine characteristics. Instead, he empties himself, he makes himself nothing, not by taking anything off, but by taking something on. I want you to see that in this passage. Jesus, he makes himself nothing, he brings something onto himself. What he's bringing onto himself is the very nature of a servant. Of a slave is really the word there. He takes on the nature of a servant. Even that word nature there is the same as verse 6 when we're talking about Jesus in his very essence being God takes on the essence of a human. Now, again, this is not Jesus taking off his godness. Instead, I think we, we can see this as Jesus, as it says, Jesus emptied himself. He became, uh, <clears throat> he made himself nothing by taking on. I think when we think about Jesus emptying himself or becoming nothing, we, we don't need to get trapped into this thing where Jesus is no longer God at this moment. Instead of thinking about Jesus becoming nothing and emptying himself, I think instead of take, thinking of him taking off his godness, we need to think about him instead putting on humanness. This is what God is doing. This is what Jesus is doing in this moment. And this is, this is really all over Scripture, all over the New Testament. I mean, really, I mean, in verse 6, he is in his very nature God. This is who he is. But in verse 7, it's taking on human essence. And just like last week, this has caused a lot of rifts in the history of the church. There have been a lot of people who get stuck on this one single issue and say God was either man or he was God, but he cannot be both. But here's what we know this morning is that Jesus was God in his very being, in his very essence, he was God. He could not cease to do that. All of, throughout the New Testament, we see uh, evidence that Jesus was God. In Colossians chapter 2, again, 2 9 says that in, in Jesus, the very, uh, all the fullness of the deity was found in Jesus. Jesus did not take off his godness when he came to earth and was born in a manger. We know this to be true. Jesus was God. 
It's inaccurate to say that he was just a part God. He doesn't take that off. Jesus is fully God. But we also know that Jesus is fully human. He's not kind of like us or sort of like us. Everything that makes a human a human, Jesus had. He had a body. He had bones. He had blood. He had a belly button. Jesus had everything that it was to be human. Jesus was not just God on earth. Jesus was a human here on earth as well. And sometimes we even, we, we kind of idealize Jesus' humanity. Even some of the carols. Think of uh, Away in the Manger. Away in the Manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes is part of this song, right? The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Really? Like Jesus was a human. I've never met a human baby who didn't cry. Right? Jesus cried as a man. Of course he cried as a kid. Yeah, I'm sure that song, I'm not saying that song is saying he never cried, but just think about that. Jesus absolutely cried. He cried as a man. Of course he would cry as, as a baby as well. And this dichotomy plays out constantly. We look at the birth of Jesus, and what do we see at the birth of Jesus? The, the virgin will give birth to a son. Jesus is human, and they will call him what? They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's this dichotomy all over the place of Jesus being human and Jesus being God. Even in Jesus' life, we see his humanity all over the place. We see Jesus. We see him crying when Lazarus dies. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. We see Jesus crying. We see Jesus angry, flipping over tables in the temple. We see Jesus tired. Sleeping in boats. We see Jesus hungry, needing food. All of these human emotions we see in Jesus, but we also see Jesus doing miracles and healing people. Just touching people, just speaking, and people are healed. People touch his clothes, and they're healed. We see this dichotomy of Jesus' humanity and Jesus' divinity all over the New Testament, all over the place. And this, is, this, this plays out constantly. The author of Hebrews 4 uh, talks about even just humanity, uh, Jesus' humanity. He, doesn't, he says, we don't have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness. Instead, we have one who is tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. This is Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. We see Jesus' humanity and Jesus' divinity constantly just, just there. There's this dichotomy all over the New Testament. Jesus is God, but also Jesus is human. Now, hopefully when you look at your nativity scene in your house, and you look inside of this manger, and you see this baby boy. Last week I told you just look at him and just remind yourself, this baby is God. This week, I want you to also just remind yourself, not only is this baby God, this baby is, is human. This baby will come to understand everything that I've gone through. This baby will, will know what it is to be human. I just, just think about it. That just blows my mind sometimes to think about all that this baby in a manger would become. 
So Jesus is 100% God. He is fully God, and he is fully human. And I want to get into, we're going to get into this a little more next week, but I want to just go here for a second, because as Jesus is perfect, but he pays the price for our sin. This is kind of the other dichotomy that we see all throughout the New Testament, that Jesus, in his humanity, in his divinity, is perfect. Even that Hebrews passage that I was quoting just a second ago, at the end, that he was tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. Jesus is perfect, but he pays the price for our sin. Again, we're, we're getting into a little bit of next week here, but the question kind of shifts. It shifts from who is Jesus to why did he have to come? Why did Jesus have to come? Why is it important that both of these natures, that both of these essences had to be in the one person? Why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to be fully God and fully human? Is there a purpose for that? Is there anything that we, that we why do we need that to be true? Why do we need that? Why do we need that to be true? I think we go to to Hebrews chapter 2. We see some of this a little bit here. Starting at verse 5. It is not to angels that he had subjected the world to come, but which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? That a son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting... Everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I, the children of God and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted." Did you catch that? He had to be made human in every way. For this reason, verse 17, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Here's, here's what we see in this passage. Let me just, just clean this up for you. There is not one of us in all of history who could stand before God and bear the brunt of what we deserved. However, if God himself, in his divinity, God in the flesh, was to take that on himself, being fully human, he alone could satisfy what we deserved, could satisfy that judgment. 
And the God of the universe at the cross is able to endure everything, taking on our punishment for sin, satisfying that, that price. Jesus, in his humanity, took our place in judgment. And because of his divinity, he could. Any time I think of judgment, I think of something Bob used to always say to me, Bob Gamillan. Every time, I, not every time, but most of the time, I'd go and visit him, and he would, he would tell me about uh, his theology of judgment. And he said this, it'll never stick to me, stick, never go away from me, I'll always remember this. He said, I was in line for judgment. And someone came and cut in front of me and took my place. And his name is Jesus. He said, I am no longer under judgment because Jesus came and took my place. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus came, this baby in a manger, was fully human and fully God. And he needed to be both in order to satisfy the the price for your sin and for my sin. In his humanity, Jesus took all of that on. He became like us so he could be our substitute. But he was God so he could take that wrath on himself and satisfy it. This is the picture of a perfect being paying the price this is the crux of our salvation everything that we depend on for salvation rests in how we answer this question who was this baby in the manger everything does this baby in a manger fully god and fully human is the only one who could take on our sin and satisfy the price for that sin who's the only one that could do it this is the baby lying in the manger now, if I'm getting a little Easter for you, that's okay. That's where this, it starts at Christmas. This is what it's about. And see, here's the, the cool thing, else, the other cool thing about Jesus being human is that in his humanity, Jesus can identify intimately with you and with me. I even just, just read what Hebrews is saying here, verse 18 in chapter 2, because he was tempted, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then that passage in chapter 4 that I, that I quoted earlier, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He, the author of Hebrews keeps going here, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, Jesus, in his humanity, understands everything that we go through as humans. He understands our suffering. He understands our pain. He understands our sorrow. I mean, just even Jesus on the cross, what was Jesus saying? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understands even that feeling. Jesus understands everything, everything that we go through. And because of his humanity, because he identifies with us so intimately, Romans chapter 8 says that he intercedes for us as well. That we have an advocate up there with God. In Romans chapter 8, here's what it says. Let me find it here. Romans chapter 8. Verse 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. If nothing else, let Christmas remind you of the lengths to which God is willing to go to show you and to prove to you that he loves you. For God so loves the world that he sent his son. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is who this baby in a manger is. So again, I challenged you last week to to set up a nativity in your house if you don't already. And just, when you look at the baby, just say, this baby, this Jesus is God. This baby, though, is, is human. And he came for me. We'll get more into that next week. Let's pray.